So Janelle and I were just kind of commiserating here on the radio a few minutes ago. And there's seven vices. And you know what we know. You know us both very, very well, both on and off the radio. And you're starting with pride. Right. What you trying to say, man? So what is this? Is this an intervention, Ron? Are you part of this, Ron? The world around us is full of false choices. That temptation to be us versus them. For or against in or out. But what does it really look like for followers of Jesus to engage in the messiness of life, the gray issues of faith, to truly allow our lives to conform to the gospel? Join us as we try to figure it out. We are the Brian and Janelle Podcast. Hey there, Brian and Janelle podcast listeners. Brian here with a quick item for you before we get to the main content in today's episode. I'm super excited to tell you about a brand new podcast series I created in partnership with Moody Radio that's available starting right now. It's called The Grandfather Effect. And here's the quick backstory. I only have really one strong memory of my paternal grandfather, Tom. And it was when my dad and I were standing shoulder to shoulder in a crowded room right in front of his open casket. And I remember standing there a bit mystified because, you see, Grandpa Tom had lived only about 15 miles away from my house growing up. And yet I never saw him. He never talked to me, called me, never came to birthday parties. He was no part of our life. He had disowned my family when I was about three years old And my family was left with lots of questions. Because from our perspective, the reason he disowned us didn't seem to make much sense. The circumstances were so seemingly trivial, it just didn't add up. So what happened? Well, about five years ago, I decided to try to find out. And that journey became much more complicated than I could have possibly imagined. And I chronicled the entire thing with a recorder in my hand and take you along in the journey. The podcast series is called The Grandfather Effect. Would you consider giving it a listen? I'd be super grateful for your support. And if you like what you hear, maybe you'd be willing to leave a a nice review or even tell a friend about it. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Thanks a lot. Joining us live is our friend and regular contributor, and she's in the midst of a series right now with us on virtues and vices. Nancy Kane is the program director for the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. She's a licensed professional clinical counselor, retired Moody Bible Institute professor, and our dear friend. Welcome back, Nancy. This is called Welcome to My Recovery Group. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm hoping it's not us that's the reason. I think you have another reason, please, (laughs) why you're starting with pride. Because it is the root of all the other sins. From ev- from pride, everything else comes. It is the pervasive, basically, virus of the soul. And it is, especially, I would say, in the American culture, that narcissism, the, psycholo- the psychological term for, you know, that we put towards pride, is just, it, it is pervasive. And, and I jokingly say join my recovery group because I think we're all on some level needing to keep facing how pervasive that self-absorption, that me first, um, I want to be better than someone else, and if I'm not, then I will 
you know, compare myself to someone else that I can be better than, um, that always, it's, uh, CS Lewis calls it the ultimate anti-God state. And it's a very serious issue that I think we all have to look at. Usually I think about pride, like those people that are very confident and, you know, and of course in their mind, they would think I'm better than other people. Can it present itself in other ways that's not connected to confidence? Well, a root of that is always a self-absorption. So it could be the person who's sitting in the room saying, oh, I'm, I'll never be as good as this person. I'm never smart. I, you know, I'm not smart. I'm not attractive. I'm not capable. But it's this turning inwards and focusing on yourself versus looking up and out, as we've talked about in other programs, looking up and out of yourself to the face of God, and then from that place knowing your right position so it doesn't necessarily have to be the person who's in the room self-promoting and telling everybody people how wonderful they are and smart and beautiful. It can also be the person who's sitting in the room just preoccupied with, I don't want to say anything right now because yeah. I'll sound stupid. Both of them are a pride state. And, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that really it's the root of all sin. And somebody's going, how could that possibly be? Could you give us like some examples of other sins and how pride begins with uh, those sins? So you have the, the sin of avarice or greed or covetousness. Why would someone want to be greedy? Because ultimately they want more than someone else. Years ago, we had a friend who was a millionaire and he was talking about his wealth. And he said, I was on a plane once with two other men that we were all in this club of there's some level of amount of money they had achieved. And we said, so how much money is enough? And, and the one fellow said, just more than someone else. Oh. And oh, wow. and that, again, that goes to it. It's greed, but it's yeah. also greed fueled in pride that says it's only as relevant as whether it's Jeff Bezos or, you know, it's someone else. It's always in comparison that makes it carry some weight to it. The, the concept of self-loathing being prideful was introduced to me only fairly recently because I think it's a bit counterintuitive. You've already mentioned it a little bit. Could you really help those understand who would go, wait a minute, how could disliking yourself be prideful? It's a tension for the believer. When, back to Isaiah 6, when Isaiah was brought before the presence of the Lord, he saw the fullness of God's majesty, the beauty, his holiness. And in contrast, he saw his sinfulness, his brokenness, all the things that were against God and, and not a part of God. And then when God cleansed him, when the angels came and put the, the coal on his lips, he then saw himself rightly and said, how can I serve you? He heard the Trinity say, who shall we send? And he said, send me. So the true state for the believer is looking in proper perspective to who God is and who I am in relationship to him. And so the person who's self-absorbed in a negative way is constantly scratching their wounds. They're constantly picking at the things that where they've gotten hurt in some way in their life. And they're always scratching them and trying to, they're, they're preoccupied with them, which means then their gaze is not upon Christ and who he sees them to be. Their gaze is upon themselves. What about the concept of false humility? Is that pride as well? Yes. So the false humility person says, oh, really, no. You know, oh, I had a, I had a student once who had just done a presentation. He came into my class. He had done a presentation of the class earlier. And um, he said, ah, I knocked it out of the park. He goes, no, 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 uh, I didn't knock it out of the park. God knocked it out of the park. 
<laughs> but I said, I said, you did show up, right? He's like, yeah, but you know, God showed up. And I'm like, yes, that's true. But he, and so it was that false, like, please don't ever think that I did something well. Whereas a truly humble person is not solving for how anybody sees them. It, it uh, I think the classic definition of humility is self-forgetfulness. You're just not solving for how people see you, what people think of you. And at that point when he said, no, 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 God did it. He was basically saying, I'm concerned that you're thinking about me. I'm thinking about me, <laughs> but I don't want, I don't want to admit that. So I'm going to play out this dramatic, no, 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 it's all God. And it's not me all the while he's talking about himself. Wow. Okay. That, that's profound as well. We got to take a quick break with us. Nancy Kane, program director for the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. When we come back, we'll continue juxtaposing pride and humility and try to discover what humility actually looks like. It's Brian from the Brian and Janelle podcast. Want to hit pause real quick to ask for your help on something. Thank you so much for listening when there's so many other options out there. In fact, as you know, it can be oftentimes really hard this day and age to find quality Christian content in the podcast universe. That's why we'd be grateful if you'd consider spreading the word about the Brian and Janelle podcast. I mean, you know how it is. You find your favorite podcast, you listen to it, you're used to it, and you assume everyone knows about it. When the reality is most of the great podcasts I found out about over the years have come from direct recommendations from either podcast hosts or from other just friends of mine who tell me to listen to something. So maybe today you'd consider telling a friend about the Brian and Janelle podcast. We'd be super grateful. Let's get back to the show. Nancy, I want to spend a minute on the response your student gave where he came into class and he was like, wow, that present, I knocked it out of the park. Oh, whoops. I mean, God did. God knocked it out of the park. So how do we accept compliments in a way that isn't annoyingly deflective to God and yet also acknowledges who he is and isn't prideful. I think the key is is, is having a deep sense of, of who you are. I mean, there's a, there's a sense when someone compliments, when you know who you are in Christ, when you're grounded in that, again, that I know who God is in relation to who I am, then when someone compliments you, it goes through you, it doesn't stick. And what I mean by that is you're not walking away going, wow, you know, I... I am good. <laughs> I am amazing. good. I, yeah. I, I, am, I am more amazing than I thought just because now this person's confirmed it. It's more of it comes to you and ultimately there's a sense of joy that somehow something that's happened, you've done, or how God's created you, it's a joyful response. It's, Again, it goes through you, it doesn't stick to you, and you're on to the next thing. You're not, again, back to that self-forgetfulness, you're not solving for your own parade. So when, when you've handled your pride, you're able to deal with compliments like that. What if today you're still struggling with pride? I've heard of people deflecting to the Lord the way you've described the student as a protective measure because they struggle with pride. So how do you deal with it when you're in the midst of struggling with pride? Confession is the only way. The confession of, Lord, I'm aware right now that I just rose up against you. And that's where, again, the, at the last series, we did the larger spiritual practices come in, because if I live a pretty a fast-paced, rushed life, um, it's going to be very hard for me not to be running by my ego. 
But if I'm if I have a, a life lived with rhythm and peace and um, enough time with God, where I'm seeing who I am in light of who He is, I'm going to be less prone to pride. But then, even when it does come up, there's a space to go to confession, and confession is really the only way through pride. I can do spiritual practices of not talking about myself, taking the second position, letting other people get the praise. Moving away from the accolades that our life often tempts us into, but at that moment when someone's praising me and I'm aware that pride's kicking in, the instinct needs to be, Lord, forgive me, because you are everything. You are perfection. You are holiness, and I will never diminish your majesty by exalting myself. This might sound like hyper pragmatic, but it won't surprise you for me. So, like. How do you accept a compliment then verbally as a Christian without being annoying? Say thank you. Just thank you. But, I mean, and and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to God for him giving me that. Do I say that? Well, for what gain? So are you trying to convince the person that you're really not prideful uh-huh. and that um, you're, really, you're really a religious <laughs> person that, you know, just is admirable above all things? <laughs> to say thank you is and in your heart you can say Lord you did that but you don't need to be (laughs) saying to the person thank you and you know the Lord did that right I mean you know that both you and I know that God really do that and the person's like oh man Nancy you are so spiritual wow this is (laughs) so impressive (laughs) well that's all God too yeah Yeah, right (laughs) (laughs) well no but you made it so simple I it should be that easy, but I guess we, we make it too complicated. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try that. Well, that, that's how pervasive pride is. I yeah. mean, I, and I think, I, I hope the listeners have that. If there's one thing I'd like them to take away is it is insidious. It's the virus of the soul. So it's always going to be showing up and we're never going to get done with struggling with this issue because not only do we live in a world that says, exalt yourself, think about yourself, live your best life, all that. We also have the evil one who's always in the backdrop profiling us as to how he can tempt us into this because it is the most grievous of all sins. When you said about developing a rhythm, even a slower rhythm in our lives so that ego doesn't rise up, what do you replace your time with instead? Well, I was thinking about this this morning. Philippians, think about that which is good and true and beautiful dwell on these things. I think that when we slow down, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about you know, how happy you are. Or are you thinking about the gifts of God? Are you thinking about how grateful you are for the chair that you're sitting in, to the air that you breathe, to God's provision of your children, your family? So in those quieter spaces, dwelling on He who is everything, He gives us the breath we breathe every moment. And that's where it leads us eventually into living a life of praying without ceasing because we've, we're now growing into this place where we're not forgetting Him. He's not cornered off to our life to the hour, 15 minutes, whatever it might be of our day. He is, we are with Him and in Him and He goes before us and comes behind us. He's everything. Yeah, the pervasiveness of pride will really start to kind of blow your mind. When I, I, I was thinking about it recently and the effect of someone who's thinking about others all the time, but their primary thought is what others think of them, yeah. is actually mm-hmm. being prideful, right? 
Exactly, exactly. Because you're solving for you're solving for your own advertising. So I think many Christians can fall into that codependent dance where, oh, I'm being loving. I'm really, you know, concerned about, you know, this person. I really want this person to know that they're really loved. Why? So that, to be honest, so that they think that I'm wonderful or that person thinks that I'm wonderful. That's pride. And the insidious thing for Christians is that we often do things that dress up as Christian behavior when, in fact, we're just solving for our own parade. Hmm. Like what? Take anything. Giving a donation to the war in Ukraine and then patting yourself on the back that, whew, you know what? If more people did what I did just now, the world would be a better place. <laughs> sure would. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that, again, that's how pervasive it is. And I tell people in the program that confession really needs to be, and I think I've said it on with you guys as well, confession really needs to be a part of our daily life because it's that necessary to keep our souls continuing to grow and not be stuck down into ego-related activity. Well, and you know, we didn't, we didn't leave much time for talking about humility, but I think that's okay. Because your definition of humility kind of says it all. So what, what is humility? Again, self-forgetfulness. I think that's probably the best soundbite on humility is I'm just not solving for myself in terms of my um, other's perception of me as well as my perception of myself in comparison to other people. But self-forgetfulness doesn't mean you've checked out. So there's some people listening that are like, well, I don't think about myself, but I don't think about anything anyways. That's not the case. It's more of this, how do you see yourself and how do you live your life and being aware of your motivations as to when you're moving to either competitiveness, I'm better than this person, or self-promotion where I want to be the person who's recognized. I want to be the person who's that person that everybody stands in awe of. Self-forgetfulness. I like that. That's that's pretty pithy. You're good at forgetfulness. You can try it there. (laughs) 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 She turned it into a competition. Sounds like pride to me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, if you like what you hear on a weekly basis, we'd be grateful for your ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And also subscribe so you get the latest episodes. Follow us wherever you are on social media and search for us online. We're at brianandjanelle.org. Don't miss our weekday morning show with conversations just like this. You can listen on the Moody Radio mobile app or again at our website, brianandjanelle.org. Special thanks to the talented team of individuals who tirelessly put together this podcast every week, Josue Villa, Mike Reynolds, and Ron Eastwood. The Brian and Janelle podcast is a production of WCRF Moody Radio Cleveland. Until next time, we're Brian and Janelle.